You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. Uh, this is a special Shuvah Sopoiskim Hespid for Harav HaGoyin, our Reflame official, who was Nifter on Yudalit Kislev. It's approximately three weeks since his Ptira, and um, the Oyla Matela is discovering uh, perhaps persons who were in the know, persons who were mamish uh, in, in the Chedre Atera, persons who knew they realized the address for their answers to their questions, the person who was able to find the Myron Mekayimus Mefuzer Mefurid, the person who was Oymed Bishwit and on, on Kolatei Rekula, they knew about Rafaim Fisher many, many years ago in, in the 70s when I was learning in Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, uh, it was a Dover Yudu in the mirror that this was known to be uh, the Boki Otsum that could find anything. Um, his greatness was a greatness that is, is, is just 100% true. Um, there's really no way that I, who never was Zeichet, actually learned by Rav Shleim, other than going through some Maimorim and, and, and seeing his name quoted and understanding how, his greatness through the years. There's no way I could even begin to be Mitzayar. All I am here is, is, is a moderator uh, to him. Uh, of the of the people that we have ready, no. Uh, again, it's, it's it's definitely one of the oldest uh, English aphorisms that we have. But I think one of the things about uh, about Goyna Niftel that has been emphasized was the what most of us would say is the, the, the a childhood where he was deprived of what even the Urim Kinder in Yerushalayim had. Most of us would say, you know, looking in the, from the luxurious perch that we have now is that this was a life that we can hardly uh, ever begin to, uh, to comprehend. And yet uh, he was able to not only uh, steig from it, it I, I, would, I would suggest that he was able to uh, achieve greatness, dafka, because of that dachus, that dachus that uh, that he was not even understanding that there was an Indian of of what that dachus meant. Of course, he was a nitzrach in some ways, but in in many other ways, yeah. that that ability at that time to be able to be makabel uh, hakol uh, allowed him to really his whole life not to be margish bechlau. We usually say anius is mavir and odom midaitoi. Here, the das, perhaps that that means is the das of normaliyidin, the das of people who feel that they are nitzrochim and they need. By him, I think the anius was, was, was made so much concrete in his mind that he didn't need it. And this was, of course, the midah that allowed him to be this masmed otzum, this incredible semel vasmoda for so long that nothing was typhus mokem bechlau, covid uh, any sort of luxus bechlal, he was mufkid legamri. His greatness really comes from the deprivation in some ways that, he, which was not a deprivation by him. And this, of course, is a great schus. And I think we're going to hear now the schus uh, to uh, introduce now uh, without uh, uh, any lengthy time, uh, Dain Rav Yeshua Fefel, um, who uh, I have heard so much about, uh, someone that I have known about for a number of years. And again, he had uh, he was uh, gracious enough to take a cold call from me, uh, essentially, uh, to be mishtatif. Um, 
if I would read to you uh, who he is and what he has done uh, in his life so far, uh, it would be uh, it would be Mavelo Arayon. All the things. So, so you really don't need to. All right. So in that way, I could just tell you that he is uh, he is of course the Rov of Orchodosh in Ramot, and um, he of course runs. He's the editor of Tzarachion, and I would want all our listeners to. Uh, there's a link in the invitation, but to go to the Tzarachion website, and you will actually you will see how much you need the Iun that uh, the points that are raised. And I think Rafefer, you agree with me the same way. You know, the Tzarachions always don't necessarily need the direct answer, but it's the involvement in the idea itself. Um, you know, they, they say in the name of, uh, they say when they talk about Rivki Vegar's Tzorachions, that the Tzorachian Godos are the ones that you can answer the easiest. <laughs> because in some ways, what you need to do is think against Rivki Vegar's all Malacham and you have an answer. So I think it's it's in the Tzorachian Ktsas that you actually have to think the most, because that's where you're coming to, uh, in a way, uh, understand things in ways that seem to be so subtle and seem to be so dacustic. And I think in that way, bringing up points that are subtle is, is I think, the as we see one of the greatness of Rav Shloim himself, the subtle understanding and how he took from these subtle points, I was able to expand and make them great. It's a schus to meet you here finally and to be able to speak the uh, COVID uh, Rav Shloim Fisher without further ado. Uh, Rabbi uh, thank you very much, uh, Rabbi Ram. Uh, I, I should be worthy uh, of saying, uh, you know, some Divri Zikaran and Divri Hesper for somebody as great and as remarkable uh, a Torah personality as a Fluma Fisher, as a I, I knew him from his Shiurim. I attended a number of Shiurim, um, both in um, when he used to come to Ramat. Uh, to give shiurim sometimes in uh, one of the areas in Ramat, I used to go as often as possible to hear his shiurim. Uh, I, I dropped into the yeshiva in Itri, and now and again, by the way, there were not so many people in his shiurim in Itri. It was always amazing to see, you know, 10, 15 uh, Bachrim coming to his share because he wasn't easy. He was lav kol moichen savildar. His style wasn't um, conventional, and perhaps his unconventional style was something that drew or something that developed uh, from his unconventional persona. Uh, he was the father of somebody from Germany. His father was a Yeki, uh, Ruf Aaron Fisher, uh, who joined the Yishuv Hayashan. Uh, as it were, he uh, immigrated. He was a, something of a, an immigrant from, from uh, Germanic culture to the Yishuv Hayashan culture, uh, which was something very different. He changed his dress, um, he changed some of his menhagim, but other menhagim uh, remained yekish. He, his father used to lane with a, with a yekisha pronunciation, uh, even though the children uh, were growing up in the Yishev Hayashan of Yerushalayim. So uh, Rav uh, Shlomo Fisher, together with his uh, great siblings, Rav Yankiv Israel and, and other uh, wonderful Tamil Chachamim, uh, his siblings, uh, grew up in, in a way that, as it were, provoke them, as it were, question them in terms of their own identity, in terms of their own belonging. And he was certainly a remarkably original thinker, a remarkably sharp personality. Um, anyone who reads his Ksavim uh, is, is, uh, is immediately impressed by his uh, Shavkait, his ability to uh, be very critical, very sharply critical sometimes uh, of, of Svaras 
sometimes using his own svara kayacha svara that he used to use uh, to, to a much, I would say, broader degree than many of his contemporaries, uh, and also with uh, very strong uh, riots that he always adduced uh, to what he said. I'll, I'll, I'll mention just one. Uh, mm-hmm. I was going through Josh's base Yishai recently, and I mentioned just one uh, very short, uh, very short vote that he mentioned, um, which was concerning the Dorha Palaga. Uh, and he had a question, uh, which I've thought about this often, and, and I was very pleased to see an answer to this question uh, from Rav Shlomo Fisher. He asks, why is our Ksav called Ksav Ashuri? Surely it uh, should be something which is related to Lashana Kodesh, uh, and yet we call it Ksav Ashuri. So I'm sure that the uh, archaeologists and so on will have a decent answer to this, but he gave his own answer, uh, which I enjoyed very much. And he said that the Dara Palaga was Safa Achas and Dvarim Achadim in the time of the generation of the dispersion. They had one tongue, and one tongue was presumably Lashan HaKodesh. Now the Pasik says after, Umina Aretz Hahi Yatsa Ashur. And Rashi says that Ashur was outside of the Eitzah, outside of the plan, of the design of the Dora Palaga, the generation of the dispersion. And therefore, even though the rest of the world was dispersed into Shivim Lashoyle, 70 different languages, but Ashur wasn't a part of that Gezeira. And therefore, Ashur remained authentic to the Bria Sa'olam, authentic to the language that was being spoken before. And its Ksav also remained authentic, remained the original Ksav. And therefore, our Ksav which is a ksav of the Torah itself, of Lashon HaKodesh, is also called ksav Ashuri. So I thought that's a very, again, just to demonstrate originality of thought, to demonstrate his, um, his sharp guide on the one hand. I should mention that even though he was, he was very sharp, and you know, sometimes he spoke in a provocative uh, way, uh, that there are many quips from Rav Shlomo Fisher uh, that, that are sometimes you think like, wow, you know, how, how do you have the audacity uh, to say such things? He used to say, for example, about the Me'iri, he used to have, he used to classify Rishonim in a way that others are fearful to do, uh, but he was not afraid to classify Rishonim in different ways. And he said that the Me'iri, for example, has a special place among Rishonim because he's not a part of the Mesoris, of the other Rishonim, the Rishonim side, the Rishonim Ashkenaz. He said the Me'iri was Farzich, a standalone Rishon, and therefore he has a different place. Uh, from from other Rishonim. He used to speak about the Gra, the Chazanesh. He said that from the time of the Gra, um, uh, th- there was nobody as great as the Chazanesh. And nevertheless, he said, uh, there are some places where the Chazanesh should be critiqued. And he mentioned others who got certain things right, even more uh, than, than the Chazanesh. Um, I'll mention also his attitude towards feminism, which was of course, a very big subject because of uh, his daughter, Hannah Kahat, who is, uh, uh, albeit Shomer Torah but certainly a part of the feminist movement. And he was obviously ambivalent. He was not encouraging of many of the things uh, that she did. But nonetheless, he used to say that the idea of the feminist movement is something that brings the world towards some fulfillment of the prophecy of Yemiyah, because it says, Kibara Hashem Chadosh Abba Aretz, Nekevah to Sevev Gover, 
And he said that that itself, um, he explained that Kabbalah, as we know that Rav Shlomo was also uh, somebody who knew Kabbalah. I would not say he was a, a Mekubal because that wasn't his style. Uh, however, he knew Kabbalah from youth already. Uh, and he said that Alpi Kabbalah, uh, women will be more active, will be more dominant um, in, in learning, in Amuna, uh, mm-hmm. and so on. And, and, and that the feminist movement, uh, with all of its uh, uh, issues and downsides and, and detractors legitimately, um, nonetheless, it fulfills a Navua and it fulfills a blessing. And uh, with this, I, I'm, I'm going to have to be brief, but I would like to mention some Divri Torah uh, of Rav Shlomo. Uh, should be lezichreino, uh, of course, and lezchose, and and one of them is um, one of them is a is a is a marvelous essay on chinuch. It's uh, published uh, in um, in chidushe beis yeshai in siman lamedalad, and I, I mention this uh, because it I found there two pninim, uh, two wonderful pearls. One pearl is an expression, and, and this is the connection with uh, the idea of the feminism that I mentioned a moment ago. So over there he brings, um, he, he mentions uh, B'Shem, um, let me see who it's B'Shem, I have it in front of me here. B'Shem Rabbeinu Manoach. He mentioned B'Shem Rabbeinu Manoach that, okay. so he quotes from Rabbeinu Manoach in Hilchus Rises Asar um, that, that brings the concept of Chinuch, which is only a Chinuch Dorabanan, which he says it's to be Margal the child. I'll speak uh, in, a, in another minute about Rav Shlomo Fischer's broader idea about Mitzvah's Chinuch. But he mentions over there that the idea of Chinuch, and Rabbeinu Menach says, that the Chinuch is to bring a person, a child, under the wings of the Shechina, a beautiful expression. Says Rabbeinu Menach, it's only uh, it's limited to sons and not to daughters. And that's why he says that, uh, brings from Nazir, that And Rav Shlomo Fischer is unable to accept this. He says, even though some of Rabbeinu Manoach is the support to what I've written, excuse me, but then he says, but that which he says to relate this to the Pasuk in Mishli and to apply it only to sons and not to daughters, he says, zal He says it's implausible. He says we cannot accept this. He says it's poshut. He says u poshut. to be machnes tachas He says this is obvious that this applies also to daughters and not only to sons. So I think that's one 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 pearl that I found in this shiva uh, uh, of Rav Shema Fisher. But I also found another pearl over there, because for a long time I had a question concerning mitzvah schinach, and that is the question of from which age does mitzvah schinach apply? Mitzvah schinach applies, uh, we find in different acharonim, uh, in the Taz, in the Magan of Ram, the Mishabrua, and others, different ages from which the mitzvah schinach applies. The Rashba already says six or seven uh, applying it to, to certain mitzvahs. Uh, the Taz mentions uh, eight or nine uh, the Mishabura mentions depends on the understanding of the child. And the question of uh, the question concerning this is that we seem to find that the age of Chinuch doesn't depend on any specific age, but rather on the ability of the child to physically be able to perform the mitzvah. And the greatest source for this is the Rambam. And the Rambam writes 
in Hilchus Chametzah Matzah, the Rambam writes that a mitzvah chinuch for matzah is from the time that a child is able to eat. And says the Chaya Adam, this can be a young infant, even one, two years old. From the moment that he's able to eat matzah, there's a mitzvah to be mechanech, there's a mitzvah of chinuch to give a child. You have to mash your, your matzah and to give a child matzah to eat from the time that he's able to eat. And this clearly seems to indicate that there's no limit, there's no age limit for chinuch. It's whenever the child is able um, to perform the mitzvah physically, and, and that's all you have. And, and then I saw this uh, shtickle of Rav Shlomo. Rav Shlomo asks a contradiction, a different contradiction in the questions of chinuch, and that's a contradiction of, does the child need to be able to perform the different details of the mitzvah, or is it enough to have the general concept of the mitzvah? For example, in Arbas Haminim, does he need to actually perform the mitzvah, the lulav needs to be his, the esrog needs to be his, it has to be a shonim esrog, or can you just give him something that resembles an esrog to shake, even though he's not actually doing the mitzvah? And we find in one place, the Shulchan Aruch says that you have to buy him a mitzvah, says the, the Mishabur, it has to be his, there has to be meaning sherim, otherwise you, you, you're not, you don't fulfill the mitzvah. But in, in another place, in Tafresh, Nunches, over there we find in, in the Shulchan Aruch that you shouldn't give the kid the, the Arbaas Habili because he's unable to to, to give them back in a, in, a, in a way that transfers ownership. And the Meshavura says there, well, the, the, the child himself is not due to the mitzvah because it's not his. But then he brings the Ravan, he brings from the Acharonim, who quote from the Ravan, the Mordechai, that even though the child doesn't own the Dalit Minim, still he's Mekayim the mitzvah, he's Mekayim mitzvah's chinuch, because he doesn't have to own them. In terms of educating, that's good enough. Says Rosh Shlomo, you have two mitzvahs, you have two ideas of chinuch. And this is a beautiful idea because he doesn't just give a kind of briska tzvei dinim. You know, there's two ideas, two concepts, take it or leave it. He explains what's going on. He gives also an understanding behind the tzvei dinim in, in, in an intuitive way. Uh, Reflemo, in, in many of his writings, he cares about intuition. He cares about the way that we understand things. He cares about uh, common sense, that things have to make sense. They have to be intuitive. They, it's, he doesn't like this para-aduma ideas. They have to make sense to us. And he says that there's two ideas of chinuch. There's, there's one idea of chinuch, which is a mitzvah of chinuch on the child himself. And of course, the father has to help the child to fulfill his own mitzvah, which is a mitzvah that the that, that chachamim or the Torah, depends, but place upon the child that he should be mechanech mischanich in mitzvahs. But there's another idea of chinuch, and that's the father. The father has to educate his child in mitzvahs, irrespective of the child's own being mischanich. And these are two ideas of chinuch. Says Rav Shlomo concerning age, he says he brings the, the Rambam that I mentioned, and he says, well, what are we going to do with this Rambam? Is it possible that there should be a mitzvah of chinuch from, from, from the age of two years old? He says, of course not. But he says that then we have this distinction. Concerning the child himself, of course, you can't obligate a child in any kind of mitzvah from the age of two. That doesn't make any sense. But in terms of the father getting the child used to doing mitzvahs, not the child's own mitzvah, but the father's making the child, enabling him, facilitating, getting him used to doing something, that can apply even from a tender young age. And with this, he resolves 
the contradiction that I mentioned before concerning does the child need to actually um, uh, be able to fulfill the details of the mitzvah or do you have just a general idea? Well, the general idea is great from the father's perspective, from the child's own chiyav, then yes, he has to have the details of the mitzvah. And without that, you don't have that aspect of chinuch, but you still have the father's aspect of chinuch, of getting a child used to mitzvahs. So that's one vatera of the great nifta that I want to mention. There are many more details, of course, in the tshuva. It's in Chidushe, based Yishai and Simon Lamedal. But I, I did want to mention another, uh, another shtickle of Rav Shlomo, and this was sent to me very graciously by Rabbi Avram, and I thank him for that. And, and this is a, a, a piece that Rav Shlomo wrote. Um, it was initially published in... Um, in Noyam Chelek Beis. And I have to say that I was made aware of it by one of Rav Shlomo's Talmidim Muvakim, who is Baruch Hashem listening to us here as well. And uh, he's the one who, he gave me the hara, and then I sent it over to you. But go ahead, yes. But it was, it was then, no, it was thank then, you very much. In, yeah, it was then in, reprinted. In base. Now, I was excited to see this. I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. This was, um, Noam was a publication. It's, it's not extant anymore, but it was, it was edited by Rav Menachem Mendel Kasher, uh, and this is in the Chilik base uh, of Noam. And over there, he discusses fingerprints uh, uh, in, in Halacha. Uh, Rav, let me just take Rav, but I just w- let us just be mocked him how old he was when he sent this piece. I think he was 27 years 26. old. I think 26, was 26, 27, very young. 26 or 20, because this was 1958, 59. So this was a piece that he wrote in his, in, and I think our Talmud will be masking to that. I think it was around 25 or 26, 27 when he, when he wrote this piece. But go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Now, Sorry. Now I, I saw. I saw that, that somebody, somebody who, who, I, who I know, actually asked Ruf Shlomo about this article. And he says, you know, what's going on? You wrote it at such a, a tender age. And Ruf Shlomo's response was, ah, I wrote Shtuyot. And the reason why I wrote it is because it was well paid. <laughs> um, so this, is, this was Ruf Shlomo's response uh, after being asked. But I think he was saying this tongue-in-cheek, meaning... Maybe he wrote it without the full eon that he gave to Chidushe, um to, 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 his, to, his, to his later uh, published Chidushe, I mean, Beis Yishai uh, and other places. Uh, but I, I'm sure he did not mean to say uh, that it's Shtuyot the way that I would write uh, something that would actually uh, be Shtuyot. I'm, I'm sure he didn't mean it uh, in that sense. But I found this to be a, a wonderful tshuva, even though, like I said, you know, it was interesting to me to see what did he mean when he said that he just wrote Stuyot, you know? So, so, so I read this carefully. And first of all, I was just impressed by the very fact that he writes this in a, a journal, in a journal in, in Hebrew. He writes this in beautiful Hebrew. You know, in, in some of his Kedushim, he writes in a more yeshivish uh, tongue, as, as accepted for different Chidish uh, Torah. Here he writes it, and again, perhaps it underwent certain editing, I don't know, but he was very happy to write and to be published in beautiful, eloquent uh, uh, Hebrew, the, the, the way that you would uh, expect from, you know, somebody who, who really, you know, grew up in the Yeshiva Chodosh and, or, or who grew up in, in broader Israel or had academic training and so on. Uh, and, and he really see the, the breadth of, of his, his skills, his talents, his, you know, his, his father was, 
Rav Aaron was a multi-talented person. He was one of the only people who, um, I don't know, this is not so germane perhaps, but it's an interesting quip. His father was a, 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 a renowned chess player and um, the governor, the military governor of Jerusalem was a person called Ronald Storrs uh, at the time in, in the 30s um, and the 40s. And his father um, was instructed um, probably by Rav Yosef Chaim, I'm, I'm not sure who by, but he was instructed to go and play stores because if you will beat him, it will be an impressive uh, achievement. And, and, and so uh, he, he asked, should I play or not? And he said, if you think you'll win, you should play. So he played him and he, and he beat him as one of the only people in Yerushalayim uh, that stores lost against. So they say, well, well, check this out, please. Um, and then stores wanted a rematch. And then the instructor was, no, you won't gain anything from a rematch. So you should not uh, play him again. There's nothing to be gained from that. So just uh, the, the kind of talented family uh, that, that Reflema hailed from. And, and over here, he's able to do, you know, in his way, he's able to, on the one hand, bring the full scientific analysis. He brings the encyclopedia. He brings the references. This was the most amazing thing when you went to hear you know, Reflema Fisher speak. So he would bring from Halacha and he would bring from Gemara and from Yerushalmi and from Divrei Agada and Divrei Medrash and Midrash Halacha. And then he would bring from, um, from, from Kabbalah and from esoteric writings. And then he would bring from uh, Greek philosophy and he would bring everything together in a way that, again, Reflema Fisher does not have many Talmidim. We have here Rav Yosef Shimmel, one of his great Talmidim, Rav Oizer, Rosh Hashiva of Itri, uh, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a Talmud. Uh, and another Talmud maybe is... Um, is uh, uh, I, I, I want to tell you that, again, we have... I, I don't ever choose to mention that he's here, but we do have one of the Talmidim who's one of the uh, Rabbonim Chashuvim Ma'id in America, uh, a person who has been a great spokesman for many, many wonderful things. Um, and he is here. He's someone who our American audience would be very, very familiar with. And he has been. Well, uh, I, I feel, I feel, I feel very bad now to be speaking in the presence of no, a, no, 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 of Reflema, because I was not zeicher to be a great Talmud, although I love uh, his personality and his Torah, and uh, it, it gives you a chias just to read and to listen and to appreciate. Uh, Rav Yisrael Goldstein, uh, another important Talmud, one of the. Uh, uh, Schottenstein Gemaras, uh, uh, chief editors of the Schottenstein, uh, also an, an important Talmud. But he had very few Talmudim because his derech was unique. And over here, it's a tshuva that encapsulated, captures his derech. He brings the science. Um, he questions whether the science is reliable. And he says, yes, of course, we can rely on it. And he explains uh, that there are certain scientific assumptions or scientific theories uh, that are not proven in, uh, on a factual basis, and, and which we need to question and not necessarily adopt in a, in a halachic sense. But over here, because fingerprinting has already been proven, and he mentioned the, the different research uh, that, that has already been uh, in, in when this was written, which is uh, several decades ago, but uh, fingerprinting was, was already uh, common from the turn of the century and, and the early decades of the 20th century. And he says this has already been uh, uh, proven uh, strongly. And, and then, of course, he gives the halachic research and, and he brings, you know, in, in, with great bakirs, but with great discretion and, 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 and again, and with great sharpness. And some he adopts and some he rejects. 
And in the end, he comes to the maskana that it's a subtle maskana. He doesn't just say, well, since fingerprinting is, is, uh, is, is uh, foolproof, therefore we can adopt it for all intents and purposes. He says, no, there are different, um, uh, th there, there's a whole variety of halachic um, ramifications uh, for which we should be thinking about the questions of fingerprinting. And he doesn't leave any of them out. He says, well, there's Dine Mephoshis, and then there's Dine Oinshim, and then there's Hotas uh, Mammon, and then there's questions of Isra uh, Heter, and then there's questions of, of Aguna. And all of these questions he deals with separately. Each one of them, he says, well, what's the status? Is it called a Simon Mervert? Is it called a, a, a Dimir Milsel Milsa? Is it called a Tvius Eid, right? What's going to be the definition of this? And, and this is, I think, something which, you know, we just need so much more of this. We, you know, here in, in, um, in Eretz Israel and, and in the entire world, we have so many new questions. We have so many issues that have not been commonplace uh, in the past. And sometimes you look at Bate Medrash, you look at different schools of, 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 of learning, of Torah learning, and you think, well, isn't it a shame that the focus is so narrow? Isn't it a shame that we're focusing on the conventional, on the traditional, on, on the, the important questions of, of Hilchus Boireh and of Hilchus Basav Chalam and Torah and so on? And, and of course we should be. But at the same time, shouldn't we be learning from the way of Rav Shlomo to also look at the broad picture, to also look at the, 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 the entire gamut of where halacha, where Torah can be applied. And today we have the schus of applying the Torah to such a wealth of questions, both in the private space, space, the private sphere, and in the public space, of course, in the public sphere, where there are tremendous questions. How do you run an economy, a Jewish economy, a Jewish foreign ministry, you know, tr uh, Jewish businesses, you know, tremendous questions. And, and I think here, Rishlemo has a legacy that we need to really learn from. We need to be Tamidim, even if we are not able to do a copy-paste, to be Tamidim in, in his tremendously original way of being able to call together from such a, a diversity, such a variety of sources and, and bring out, you know, a, a kind of recipe to, to make this beautiful dish, to make this beautiful uh, product that, you know, who, who, can, who can live with this? But at the very least, to take on his breadth of, 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 um, of, of dealing, his, his, uh, his innovation, his initiative, his willingness to take on the big questions, whether of society or of the private realm, in that sense, we, we need to be, we, all of us need to be Tamidim of, of Rav Shlomo and to try to follow and to bring the Torah to a level where we shouldn't be in a state that the, the Pasuk in Eicha says, Malka Vesarab ain't Torah. And, and why not? Because when Malka Vesarab you don't have uh, a state, you don't have a, uh, a d d dominion, you, you don't have sovereignty. So the Torah doesn't have its full expression. And, and Baruch HaShem, we have opportunities to give Torah a fuller expression. And, and Rav Shlomo was certainly of, of, that, of that derech. Even if you grew up in the Yeshiva Yashon, and, and uh, later on, people accused him of being uh, oh. Zionist and being, be, being you know, too close to... And, and of course, he was an Ish MS. For him, the MS was the only guideline. Uh, again, he got this from his family, I think, and, and he developed it himself. He was an Ishemis. For him, the truth was what guided him and not the politics and not the belonging to one group or to another. He didn't care about these things. For him, Torah was, was all that mattered and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and Halavai that we can uh, be Mamshech, uh, Darkoi Bakoidesh, and, uh, and, and learn the lessons 
uh, both in, in the Torah and in the way of life, uh, that he could be so instructive and so inspirational for all of us. So, Rabbi Fram, thank you very much for the opportunity. I feel totally unworthy uh, of being in this place. Uh, but nevertheless, I hope that the words can be somehow uh, words at the very least of, of respect and admiration uh, for uh, the great uh, Nifta that we should uh, learn from his ways. Okay. I think mo- many of the Hespedim and, and, and tributes have mentioned correctly that the, that the ma'afshir for the life that he led to be such a marbitz Torah was really the schut of his of of, of his rebbitzin that was incredible. She she Rafefer, I think she came. She it wasn't from you know the the Hungarian chevra that came that was um, you know from the Uramalite. She was I, I think from a somewhat of aristocratic the bronze right. No, am I incorrect on that, uh, Rabbi? She, she was from the brand, right? Wasn't she a brand? A brand, and a kolpon. She was a brand. That's correct. She was she a brand, was, right? And she Dafka wanted this going and Godel. Uh, I, I read. I don't know if it's true. I read how she was him. There was some sichsuch about maybe he's a little bit too different. And she said, "No, I Dafka want this one. This is the real McCoy, as we would say in, in America." And 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 it was her Mesiras Nefesh that allowed. Rav Shloyma to be the incredible Marbet Steyer that he was. I mean, it, it's mamish like Sipurim that you hear about, uh, you know, Bas Kalvasua and Rabbi Akiva. Mamish. I'm saying, you know, we hear about, of course, Revishin Batsheva, Kanyevsky, and, and the wife of Shloyma Zalman Orabach, Tzidkoniot, Aleim Asholem. But I think that we need to mention that what the incredible relationship that they had and what she was able to be ma'afshir for him. Uh, our, our Talmud that is here has mentioned to me the, the way he lived in Itchri Yeshiva in the most um, uh, uh, Spartan way in a, in, in, a, in a room that most of us Americans would probably say, we're not coming to the Yeshiva here if this is the type of room we have to live in. And this is where he lived week by week, year by year. Uh, and, oh, and, he, only, he only went home to mention, he only went home for weekends, right? For Shabbat, he was there the whole time. He used to but, learn standing up, which he again, down. W- w- right? Which again is so unique. So I think we have to mention the schools of now. Again, I I don't know anything about you know his his, his daughters and you, what you were saying, Rafefer, before. But it would seem the dugma to an isha ilah he had as part of his novas basically. In other words, the idea of, 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 of that. And again, I, am not, I have no political agenda here, but I think the relationship, when he saw the greatness of, 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 of his wife, what she was able to be Messiah, I think we need to mention that as we have, a, 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 as we're mentioning uh, the greatness of Rav Shleima, you know, a, 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 what she was able to contribute to allow him to have that life that was so, Rav Lippa, can I ask you one question here? Why was, why, you know, I, I knew about Italy and I knew about Rav Shleima. American boys didn't go to his shir generally? Like the American Hevra were not close to him or, or not? Was there, was the language always a barrier? Because I, I think you're unique as an American who became so close. Am I wrong about this? Just tell me. I, I might be totally off base. I, 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 frankly, I'm Amish don't recall. Um, most of the Olam who went to his shir were the the Mitzianim, and the Mitzianim were the Eretz Yisrael dekir. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I hear, I hear. It's a chaval, and I think that's one of the reasons why you know the persomet. Hopefully, this will help. And for, for there, were, there were the, the Rav Moshe Petrova and uh, Rav uh, 
Yosef Shalom Gelber, they went to Hesher, they Gedele, Gedele Teira, I think Rabbi Avram Navogratsky, they were, they were Gedelem. And uh, I think, and Moshe Petrov was just Maspid, Rabbi Shleimer. I hear him. Uh, hopefully, again, Achari Mois, we should be able to be makdish ourselves for him and to be able to somehow now be yonik from, from the Mayan Agodo that Rabbi Yosef is going to make available for us because the Mayonis, the Mayonis are in, in, in the Yeshiva Shomala, but you're going to bring them down to the Yeshiva Shomata. Yeah, but Rabbi Yosef is going to need help, so we all have to help him. But once Caspius, that's one thing for yeah, sure. Rabbi yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Shapiro used to say, Alice is bigamatria mama. <laughs> yeah, I saw also one biscuit from him that for certain people opening up Shamati Mirav people Opening the Gemara is a bit tighter because what they have to do, what they have to do is, is, is be mafarsim. They have to work in the business offices. They have to be marches, and, and people have to know. So Mirza Hashem, hopefully, we won't be mavatel. <laughs> we won't be over bit tighter. We mafteach. Shkoyach to everybody. Rabbi say thank you so much. Thank you so much for everybody being involved. For especially, I'm really makir and I hope we can make a kesher from this. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.